Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Welcome back, everybody. Hypnotherapy is something that can really make a difference in your life. Usually, at least from my understanding and and speaking to people, it's usually the last thing that many of us gravitate toward. Maybe we have this uh, perception that it's mind control and all these different Different things that are all myths, by the way, and we'll dispel some of those in just a couple of minutes, but it can really change your life, sometimes in one session, sometimes in an hour, maybe two. Big changes in your life, and he's somebody that makes those changes all the time. As the owner of Hypnotherapy at Woodard Hypnosis and Research, and he's back with us, Dr. Frederick Woodard is on the program. Doctor, welcome back. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Uh, so good to have you here, and I am the probably the biggest cheerleader for hypnotherapy because like everybody else, I had those perceptions of uh, somebody controlling your mind and they can get sensitive information from you, and none of that is true. Well, no, it's, it's, it's interesting because hypnosis really allows you to be more in control yourself. Completely. And you know what? I, I, when I had the aha moment and figured it out, it's almost as if you, the hypnotherapist, is giving me or anybody else the keys to unlock a lot of things that are in our mind. Right. Well, also to, also to be in control of, your, of yourself, to be aware of what's affecting you and not necessarily respond unless you choose to. Would you say, and I always hear varying numbers on this, but the percentage of the subconscious mind and the conscious mind, I'm, I've heard 90, 95% of what we do is run by our subconscious. Is that, is that your finding as well? Uh, I would say that it depends on the person. There's a lot of people that are very unaware of what's going on. And then there's some people that are very aware. Would you say that it is, you know, at least, you know, just to illustrate what's going on with the subconscious and how it controls, would you say that it's at least 80% for the average person, at least 80% is the subconscious controlling them? Possibly, yeah. It would depend on each individual. i kind of a very individually oriented person, so I, uh, I wouldn't say just blanket statement, something like that. But you take each person and you kind of see how each person is in those areas. Like I said last time, I don't know if I talked about the hand clasp exercise that I did with a famous hypnotist and um, lay hypnotist in California. Did we talk about that last time? No, we did not. Oh, well, I, uh, I, um, I did the hand clasp exercise, and I opened up my hands, and he looked at me and shook his head and said, well, I have 30 witnesses. Um, I want you to close your eyes and listen to what I'm saying, and if you can open up your hands, I'll give you a million dollars. So I closed my eyes and I listened to what he was saying. And I realized I couldn't open up my hands because if I followed the instructions, it would be impossible. You can't not think about opening them or imagine opening them. They're not going to open up on their own. And, um, and so then I opened my eyes and my hands were still closed. And he looked at me and he said, now you're in control. And he truly meant that. That was a gift. He was teaching me to be in control of myself be aware of what was being said, what was going on, and to do what needs to be done, not to do what I want to do, and ignoring everything that's being said. Interesting. Wow. 
and, and but I was able to do that. Not everybody can. And why isn't everybody able to do that? Well, because they're not aware. They're not paying attention. They can't change what they're doing. Um, I would say that would be the, the thing. They just keep opening up their hands and saying they're not thinking about it or not imagining it. Right. But it's impossible for your hands to open up if you don't control it. So let's look at some of the things that hypnotherapy can help people out with. And by that, I, I mean, I, we gave the examples earlier, smoking, weight loss, things like that. But how about some of the other, other things that uh, it can help with that maybe we might not even realize? Well, like forgiveness? Yeah, and I think I might have mentioned that in the past, that I had hypnotherapy for that. And it's, it's funny because in talking with the practitioner... I got the perception that he was a specialist in in hypnotherapy for forgiveness. Could uh, be. Could be. That could be what he specializes in. It, Some people pick something and they stick completely with that one thing. Well, as I, as I told him that uh, afterwards, he said, no, that's just one of the things I offer. However, however, I've had other sessions before, not for forgiveness, but the forgiveness session was truly focused on that there was uh, we spent the entire time on that you know the visualize visualization of the interesting thing you're talking about where you use your unconscious your subconscious mind it's interesting because i went to a training one day and it was mental health training and it was doing touching like uh, touching above your eyes you know your chest you know tapping and um the guy was doing a complete forgiveness thing, and we were getting a crash course in one day of what goes on for months. And um, we were supposed to pick three people to uh, to forgive. Hmm. And um, when the session was over, the day was over, I came back to my office, and I was going to go to the bank, and I saw one of those three people that I hadn't seen in years walking down the street. Complete coincidence that they were there? Yeah, well, that's what you would say. Yeah. But the idea was that that day I was working on that stuff, and um, that was one of the three people, and I hadn't seen this person in years. Well, that that brings us to another you know thought uh, that things happen for a reason. You know, do you do you feel that they were they were placed in before you at that time? Well, I, I feel that that was like validation that it worked it was helpful wow and the you were being taught a crash course in uh in forgiveness wow how interesting did it did it work did you feel that it worked yes what did you feel when you saw that person um just calmness and previously what would you feel uh maybe maybe a little bit of uh angst or something that wasn't wasn't okay but I felt completely like everything was good. Mm. You know, it's funny you use the word angst because bef- as I'm asking that question, that's the word I was thinking of. I really was. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it definitely, uh, I, I get it. <laughs> after, after doing the, you know, forgiveness uh, hypnotherapy session. So how about some I of the... A, I have a little piece on my CD on my book, um, my hypnosis book that has forgiveness on it. It's one of 
uh, four little exercises in in a window that I put. And the third one is just that, uh, be, being able to look at somebody that's either a problem in your life or someone you love and not sending any words, just sending a sense of feeling of love and forgiveness and releasing them. I love that you say that because to me that speaks volumes about energy. And uh, Yes, and what it does is it frees you up. Right. It doesn't necessarily free them up from the world. They still have consequences for whatever they've done, but they don't. You're not involved in it anymore. Exactly. Yeah, and you, it's not like you're you're forgiving for them and condoning what they did. You're doing it for you. Right. Exactly. How about some other things that hypnotherapy can uh, be impactful with? Uh, I've I've done past life regressions and things like that with hypnosis. Um, stuff like that, spiritual awakening things, people. Um, it, it is kind of on my CD in my book, too. It's, it focuses on that aspect of, of awakening the spiritual within you. Can we talk about that for a moment, the past life regression? Is that something that uh, you do sessions for and, and take people back? I have. I have. But sometimes I think that it's not automatically going to go there instantly. That sometimes you need to have a few examples of, you know, what you're fantasizing about before you get to something that's really truthful. So I, I believe I know where you're going with that. I'm going to give uh, an example of something that I experience, and I want your, your thoughts on it. So I have an affinity for the 1800s. I could sit at my desk while I'm working and look at pictures from back then. Again, photography was just beginning, so you have that that accurate account. But I just I think it was such a great time in history where some technology was kicking in. You can actually see it. Um, simpler way of life. I look at the clothes. You know, I'm amazed how they were able to tailor. And again, we're not looking at paintings. It's the real deal. Able to do that kind of stuff even back then. Uh, is it possible, based on those feelings, that uh, I could have had a past life at that time? Yes, it's very possible. It's a, I, I can't prove anything, ultimately. But the idea is that there have been cases where, I remember on the news, there was a case where this woman um, went into a past life regression and she... Uh, she remembered a house down south that was a, 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 a helped the, the blacks escape to the north, and there were guns and money under the underneath the house. They went down there, dug it up, and sure enough, there were guns and money underneath the house. So, for anybody that wants to be skeptical, how is that even possible? Yeah, I got. Well, that's the point. The point right. is unconscious going back in time. There was another example too of a guy that was in World War II on one of the ships, and he died. And uh, they went back, and they were able after to, uh, to uncover uh, his, the documents that he was on that ship, on the ship. But they, didn't have, they had, didn't have them prior. Amazing. See, I know the people want to punch holes in that, you know, the, the skeptics that say, well, ah, you and know. And then there was another example that I read in a journal article on a woman out of Boston that did a past life regression with somebody and took them back to some little town in Italy or some small country and um, 
said there were only two inquisitors there at the time. And uh, the, the local university said, oh, no, there's always three. Well, they went down, did some research, and pulled up some documents, and that third person wasn't there at that particular time. Wow. I find this stuff fascinating. I, I, I You bring back a memory for somebody uh, I know that did uh, uh, a past life regression for somebody else. So the, the hypnotherapist um, identified that you were, I'm trying to think if it was the Revolutionary War, but they said that, you know, you were shot. You were shot in the back. That's what I'm getting. And the person said, I've had back trouble since I was a kid, and I have a little divot almost in the center of my back. And that would be reasonable to assume that if that was a past life regression, and that was a past life, that uh, they were shot there. Yeah, Dr. Ian, Ian Stevenson talked about how people that had old injuries could come back with scars in those same places, things like that that would happen just like you're talking about, where something in the present is resembling something from the past. Right. What is the difference between a past life regression and a timeline regression? A timeline was, it, it involves the present. Okay, so somebody would take you back in time to identify things, uh, I guess, on your, your life timeline? Yeah, the, the problem with that is there's... Uh, there's also some times that people can make up stuff. So that, that's part of the problem. In my book, I have a diagram of outer layer stuff that has to be gotten through in order to get to the truth. And the truth is in the center, but you have to work through all this stuff. So it's not always instant. Can, okay, I want to learn more about that. Is it, I don't know if that's easy enough to explain for us. How do you mean to, to get through that stuff to get to the truth? idea that, 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 that the past stuff has, uh, like stuff that's interfering with the truth has to be worked through in order to get to the truth. And that may take a number of sessions where those ideas are just fantasies. It's, this is a fantasy past life, something I'd like to have, have, have had happen, but it didn't necessarily happen. And then it depends on the advancement of each person, too how advanced the person is. Is it almost as if somebody wants to believe something and uh, you need to kind of get through that to see if it, that, uh, that want is the real deal? It could be, yes. It's like, but it's, it's, the, the, the issues were, are numerous. They're, 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 uh, they're ideas that could interfere with truth. You know, it could be just projections and fantasies and lies and, information that's not true and what would you say in your history your experience of working with people and hypnotherapy the most profound thing that you you discovered or somebody discovered within themselves after a session just say you know something that really stood out well i remember one time i was doing a research paper which i published on um on uh, on hypnosis and um, it was, uh, see if I can find it. Was, it was a paper I did on the phenomenology of hypnosis, a preliminary phenomenological study of hypnotizing and being hypnotized in psychological reports in October 2005. And I was doing a certain protocol when I would hypnotize the person, and then I would interview them on their experience. And there was a couple of people that just kind of went out, and so they couldn't do anything. And then there were a few people that were really articulate. There was this one guy, I kept thinking um, at the beginning, 
I kept thinking, well, I could tell him he could uh, keep his eyes closed even though he wants to open them, but I didn't because that would be deviating from the standard uh, description I was giving everyone. When I started to hypnotize, when I started to interview him, he told me that at the very beginning he kept thinking he could open up his eyes, and then he decided that um, he didn't need to, that he could keep them closed. And I thought that was pretty significant. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. You must have seen a lot of different cases uh, over the years, things that you've learned. Yes, and, and, I, and I also realized that hypnosis is just a state of awareness. So it's just, um, it's just a, it, it's something that happens in many different ways once a person really wakes up and they, uh, they become aware. Um, I remember uh, a mother and a daughter that came into my office and they came in and I mentioned something about a tiger and they both looked at each other and then they looked at me and I said, what? They said, we were just talking about a tiger for the last half an hour. So how would, okay, how would that even be possible that you brought that up? I don't know, because I didn't make that conscious. I wasn't aware that they were talking about tigers. I just said something about a tiger, and that brought up that they were just talking about tigers, and that was the connection. But I didn't consciously know they were talking about tigers. I just intuitively mentioned it. That's what I was going to ask you next in in terms of intu- intuition, do you feel that you have some? Yes, I feel I have some intuition. Not, not always, but in certain circumstances where it's what, what, where I'm fine-tuned. But everybody has weaknesses and everybody has strengths. So, you know, in certain areas, I, I do believe I am. But in other areas, maybe not. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to be able to uh, just say you can always be that, do that. Would you say that all of us have some form of intuition? Yes, whether we use it or not. Or whether we can key into it. You're right, be aware of it. Yeah, I, uh, I saw a doctor a couple of weeks ago, and it was just a you know, follow-up from, from a procedure the, you know, the previous year. And he's a, he's a great guy. I uh, love talking with him. And uh, I seem to you know, carry stress a certain way, and he started referring to it. And I don't know what it was. But I just, I, I almost cut him off in mid-sentence, and I said, when's your birthday? And he said, today. I go, you're, you're joking, right? He goes, no. And he thought I was putting him on. Maybe I got that information from the nurse, but I don't know what prompted me to ask, but I felt I needed to ask that question. And yeah, it that's was an intuitive moment, yes, because that, that's, it's relevant. It's very relevant. It's almost as if something took over. Uh, my mind, whatever you want to call it, that I had to ask that question at that time. Uh, and sure enough, it, it was his birthday. Again, I, I just blurted it out. <laughs> it was, right, right. It's just like me talking about a tiger. It's like I didn't realize that I was in tune with what was going on with them. Right. It, you know what? It's almost as if, I don't know how I can phrase this, it's almost as if your intuitive subconscious, if you will, took over at that moment that it, it and you didn't even have control you just bl- blurted it out as well yeah, hmm. true. let's talk about the uh the book you have uh i know we we skimmed that a little bit last time but it's available on amazon it's called perceptual hypnosis right yes what can we learn from that book well i did a phenomenological uh, work with it and the funny thing is 
phenomenology is a research method that's subjective and it allows the person to tell their own story and it brings things down to their to their uh their fundamental meaning in a in a simple way for everyone so i did that work which nobody's really done um donald snake mentioned it in the 40s and um but didn't really do it and no one did it since so i ended up doing it and i think it has a lot of important um insights about understanding how hypnosis works while i give examples and exercises at the end of each chapter so that people can work on stuff to to enhance their ability to be hypnotized or to further their spiritual awareness and that's i wanted to ask you that before we uh, ran out of time today spiritual awareness or spiritual awakening what's what's your definition of that what's your perception of that well it's becoming more in tune with with the greater universe the the, the the universe that interacts with us you know and being more open to those things and my second book which comes out next uh april but it can be pre-ordered on amazon is uh is developing your supernatural awareness connecting with an interactive universe and um i have examples of themes in each chapter of themes of the main story and then i have exercises at the end of each chapter on ways to enhance being more open to those to to spiritual awakening that and being some said people have had those experiences and some people haven't some people would like to have one and haven't had one and some people have had one and like to know there's other people that have had them too i've spoken with people that have said that they've had a spiritual awakening um They've described it. Uh, one person in particular said it lasted a year or more, and it wasn't it wasn't pleasurable. Let's put it that way. And uh, but they said after it was over, it was just their life was completely changed. Have you heard anything similar to that? Yes, yes, I've had stories told to me by people, whether it was something simple or something that went for a period of time, um, and they felt kind of like. It wasn't normal what they were going through, but then when they were done, they really felt that it was a it was a positive experience. I had one guy in a gym; he was a biker, who actually told me he came up to me and said, "I hear you're doing stories on spiritual experiences," and I said, "Yes, I do." He said, "Well, I got to tell you one. I'm uh, I'm not going to come to your office, but uh, I uh, was riding my bike and I slipped on some sand." And I fell down and I cut myself and I was laying there and a voice came into my head and said, if you want to live, get up right now. And I got up and moved and a vehicle went right over the spot I had been lying on. I totally believe it. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I, I, final question for you today. You mentioned the word universe a couple of times. How would you define what this thing called the universe is? Well, that's all the all of existence beyond what we even know. That includes the rest of the universe. My 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 mom's dad, my grandfather, he was an incredible man. He was one of the most honest men I ever met in my entire life. And I remember him in at 89 saying to me, "If the universe goes on forever and ever, how can there not be other life?" Hmm. Kind of makes you wonder and think, that, <laughs> doesn't it? 
Yeah, but it's but it's that kind of idea that whatever it, it, where however the universe exists, however far it goes, uh, whatever it is, which I don't completely understand, um, then that's part of what is involved in all of our interactions. Those little pieces of things that we, an intuitive sense of knowing something is a gut punch, it's a truth, and then it's followed by something that validates that, yes, that's truthful. Fear is something that never has any basis. Well, I love the acronym that goes along with that. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Right, and it's not true. Right. But intuition is true, so you really know that 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 happened or that that was going to happen because it did. And, um, and that's really what I think the universe is about, connecting with all that stuff. And that goes beyond what we understand. Yep. But I, I, I believe that the universe is there to support you. If, you know, if you're doing the oh, right yes. thing, it wants the best for you. Yes. Wow. Fascinating talking with you today, Doctor. If somebody wants to reach out to you, uh, learn more about the books, maybe do a session, uh, how do they find you? Um, I have, my email is drfwoodard at hushmail.com. My phone number is 603-673-2582. I prefer phone calls. Gotcha. Yeah, fascinating talking with you. Again, the number 603-673-2582. Really appreciate you being with us today and uh, just breaking down and a my, little bit. Uh, my, my, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my, my, um, my, uh, my uh, web, website is also, uh, also is where you can find my book or on Amazon you can find both of those books. And your website, what's your website? It's woodardhypnosisandpsychotherapy.org. Gotcha. And and by the way, I found your book very easily on uh, on Amazon, just doing a search of of your name, uh, Frederick Wood, Woodard, W-O-O-D-A-R-D. Thank you so much for being here today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country, but unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.